Welcome to the CMS Real Deal podcast, where we take a step back from legal nitty-gritty and provide insight into issues affecting the property industry. I am Danny Drummond-Brassington, and today I'm joined by Kieran Carvalho, partner and head of the real estate sector at CMS. Welcome, Kieran. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for coming along today. Uh, you're coming along to share some of your thoughts about the property industry as 2018 gets underway. It feels like we're starting 2018 from a really strong place. There seems to be a strong end to 2017. Property proved to be resilient, notwithstanding political uncertainty around Brexit and the general election that was called at short notice. Um, and I saw reports this week that investment into the UK topped 50 billion last year, and the predictions are going to be the same for 2018. So let me start with what were your highlights in 2017? Well, it's, um, it's been an astonishing year in many ways because if we were having this conversation at the end of 2016, we'd have been forecasting forward with a huge amount of uncertainty and not knowing quite what was going to happen to the real estate market. And uh, obviously it's a lot easier looking back um, because we can actually look at the stories that have happened. And uh, it's been really quite an incredible run. Um, Everything that happened with the referendum and, of course, as you've just mentioned, with the election, you would have thought that would cause a lot of people to pause for thought. And there were periods during 2017 where people were doing that, but they didn't last very long. Actually, the market um, was very active. There was huge amounts of capital, and there remains huge amounts of capital across the world. Um, London in particular was a major beneficiary um, from overseas money in particular, but the regions also had their share of some major investment and some development activity, albeit that was probably on the whole more from the UK institutions than the international investors. Yeah, You picked up source of money there and that was actually one of the topics that I wanted to explore because obviously with the referendum we saw um, the pound weaken and obviously become more attractive for overseas investment. And the, the money's coming from Asia, um, particularly China. Do you think that's going to continue? Yes, I mean, last year uh, we saw probably, certainly if you look at London offices, about 50% of London offices were acquired by Chinese stroke Hong Kong investors. Yeah. Um, but I think this year, uh, not only will we continue to see some of that money coming from Hong Kong, because obviously there are some restrictions on Chinese investors through their own Belt and Road program, but uh, having been in Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong and Korea in the last three months of 2017, it's, it's very apparent to me that there remains strong demand and appetite for UK real estate and the Korean market in particular, which has been a bit subdued in terms of investment into the UK. There, have been some, there has been some activity, um, but they genuinely look like they're very interested once again in returning to the market. And of course, Japanese, Japanese investors, we're seeing uh, there's, there's a huge amount of capital there with the um, GPIF and other investors who have it's been talked about for some time that they are coming and um, they've clearly been assessing the market uh, carefully uh, and the perceived wisdom is they will be coming. Do you think the Chancellor's announcement in the autumn statement about changes to the capital gains tax will 
dampen that appetite for foreign investors? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I was at the IPF conference in Brighton um, just when the budget um, changes were announced to capital gains, and um, it, it got quite an interesting response. There were some people who were really quite outraged, and there were other people that were quite philosophical, saying, "Actually, you know, the UK has had some very, very beneficial treatment for a long time." And this won't deter overseas investors. They'll look at the fundamentals, they'll look at returns, they'll look at the transparency of the market, they'll look at the rule of law, and the UK will remain an attractive place for investment. Now, um, if you look back to November when those changes were announced, over the two or three weeks during that immediate aftermath, there were some deals that were repriced, there were some deals that went off, but the vast, vast majority of deals proceeded uh, on their original basis. And certainly what we saw towards the tail end of last year was uh, heavy levels of investment volumes with people still wanting to transact before the year end. So I think the... Um, our view would be that uh, this will settle down. We are actively involved in the consultation um, on the capital gains changes. Um, and uh, aside from running seminars, we will be putting in a consultation response and the consultation period uh, finishes on the 16th of February. So um, let's see what how the market settles. But my sense is that and from talking to investors internationally, and also uh, not just in Asia but in Europe and in North America, um, activity and volumes will continue. The buyers might be slightly different because of course pension funds and sovereign wealth funds aren't affected by these changes. So they may say actually there's a less competitive landscape, this is quite good. So you might just see a different type of buyer, not necessarily a deterioration in volumes. Uh, it's a little early to tell for sure. Um, so but, do you think that you mentioned sovereign wealth funds and they've been slightly um, not as prevalent as they were a couple of years ago um, do you think that that might spur them back in or the f fact is the oil price is still so down that they're not investing in the same way that they were um, yeah I mean oil prices are, are a factor but not the only factor interest rates remain very low bond yields, gilts, the return on those asset classes and investments are pretty low. Um, so people, there is a search for yield. The equity market has obviously done quite well, but there is more volatility with equities. With real estate, obviously you get an underlying income, but you've got uh, an asset as well as an asset-backed investment. So uh, I think what we're hearing and seeing is many people are actually increasing their allocations to real estate. They're not reducing them. So I don't think this is a time to be pessimistic. I think uh, we have to be careful and not be unrealistic. But all the indicators are that real estate is going to be okay. Whether investment volumes quite reach you know, in excess of 50 million, some people are forecasting 55, some are saying 60. But that's a pretty healthy yeah. level we'll take that. by anyone's <laughs> standards. Definitely. Let's look at destinations of that investment. We've talked a lot about Asian money coming in and a lot of that, particularly as you were saying, 50% coming into UK office markets from Hong Kong China, Chinese. 
What about other cities? I mean, I think UK institutions have been the ones that have been predominant in the regions and in other cities. We carried out a survey last year for our Smart Healthy Agile report that showed that our respondents thought that the top six cities to work in were London, Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Liverpool and Glasgow. What are your cities to watch in 2018? Well, I think those cities clearly um, have been very active in terms of investment volumes and Manchester in particular. Um, if you go to Manchester, that city is is thriving. You, you feel the energy there. Um, but outside of the cities you've mentioned, I think there will be places like, if you look at places like Cambridgeshire, mm. you know, that's not actually that far to London and with the new infrastructure that's proposed along that corridor, I could see, you know, that may be more centred around um, biomed, tech, etc., logistics. Yeah. Um, so areas like that, Bristol is another one I think uh, could do well. Edinburgh historically has, has done well. What about uh, Sheffield? There was the big announcement last year of the Chinese investment into Sheffield. Do you think we're going to see that as an investment city of choice? I do, and um, you know Sheffield is undergoing a bit of a renaissance, and also also with the planned infrastructure improvements there in terms of rail and roads, um, that should be a major beneficiary in the future. Great. You mentioned logistics, and obviously any discussion about twenty seventeen, uh, we would it would be remiss to not mention logistics because I don't think a a sector got as hot as logistics did, um, and. All signs are that it will continue. Yeah, I mean, everyone talks about logistics now. It is, it's not really even now the new black. It's been the new black for a little while, but uh, the new retail, if you like. But um, I mentioned I was uh, in Korea at the end of last year. I was at a conference in Seoul. And I would say 50% of the discussion centred around logistics. That is clearly uh, where people are very focused. A lot of the international investors, but also in the UK as mm-hmm. well. Um, you, you see the way we shop, eat, work. Um, yeah. You know, technology is having a major impact, a major driver, not just on all our lives, but you know, on the way we do business. So. Um, Bearing that in mind, that really influences um, that as an asset class and its attractiveness. And obviously, Seagrow now has um, re-entered the FTSE 100, and you know they've had an incredible year, yeah. property company of the year, and uh, they seem set on a real path to success. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I was talking to somebody at Seagrow just before Christmas, who was mentioning sites that they perhaps earmark for disposal. Um, couple of years ago are now coming back into being the absolute must-have in their portfolio because they fit that last mile delivery um, sector that everybody's yeah. everybody's striving for as you say everybody wants things in the next couple of hours yeah. and you can only do that if you have got a warehouse within that um, sort of region in the, yeah. that, that belt. We talk about logistics thriving becoming the new black the e-commerce industry driving that, but then we have this impact on on the retail, which I think has seen a slowdown. But then, quite surprising, um, great news at the end of last year with these um, great mega mergers. Do you think we're going to see more consolidation there? Yeah, yes, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, the Hammerson merger and the Unibail merger as well with Westfield, um, and Hammerson obviously with Into. 
Um, I think retail's changing. So, in fact, I was speaking to David Atkins about this before Christmas, and what Hamilton are uh, certainly trying to do, and I think people can understand this and buy into it, is, you know, focus on really top of range and it's not retail in a vanilla sense but it's much more a destination it's a leisure activity it's experience Mm -hmm. and uh, for anyone who's worked in shopping centers uh, they are very vibrant and you know you only need to go to the top centers and now very very busy and um I think there have been a lot of people that, yes, logistics are coming to the fore and yes, technology is all around us, but I do think retail has always been quite a dynamic environment and the retailers are adapting to it and I think owners like Hammerson are equally adapting to it. It's quite interesting, Knight Frank just put out a report predicting that retail will be the new industrial as investors are looking for income returns and predicting that retail will give those higher income returns over and above industrial what's what's your thoughts on that well we talked earlier a little bit about the search for yield and and certainly retail is certainly shopping centers as distinct maybe from high street retail but shopping centers are really have to be viewed as a business they're not a passive investment but the the best owners do uh, have a very focused tenant mix policy Uh, they have a very different offer for people and um, you can see that happening and many of the international investors as well have looked at retail and shopping centres in particular very carefully. I'm going to change sectors and and perhaps um, questions and look at this co-working, cohabiting that everybody's talking about, the new way of working and certainly the report that you were you put out about the smart, healthy, agile, looking at different ways of working and, and the change that is being driven from probably from the millennials and wanting different requirements for both their the way that they work and the way that they live, how do you think that's going to play out in 2018? Well, it's interesting again. I, I mean, the report I think is very good, and I know Claire Thomas, uh, who's been responsible for our thought leadership for a number of years, did an earlier podcast with you on this. So. Um, I won't go into too much detail on that, but in terms of how it's going to change things, I did see the collective, for example, just before Christmas, and I went down to their premises, and it's really interesting to see their office environment and the way they work and the way they do things. And uh, looking around our own office and our merger this year, we went into new space and the way people work. You know, agile is very important, technology is, is critical, but people just work in a different way there's um, there's a great focus also on wellness and well-being in the workplace and uh, retention of talent is huge because getting really good people is difficult and you want to retain your best people Um, so creating a very good working environment that is compatible with the way people want to live um, is very very important so it's such a dynamic area Um, so we work have obviously Mm. done incredibly well but you look at um, Blackstone's recent acquisition of the office group um, and the collective in terms of what they're trying to do in terms of matching graduates as they come out and provide maybe smaller bedrooms but really interesting communal space where there's state-of-the-art facilities Um, it's it's something you know probably none of us imagined 10, 15 years ago maybe even 5 years ago I was going to say 5 years ago you know uh, 
the pace of change in technology is so rapid, um, it's really hard to, to know what's going to be there in three years, never mind 10 years. But buildings do need to be versatile, they need to be adaptable, they need to be flexible. And you will see, and I know Claire mentioned this in the report as well on the podcast, the White Collar Factory, which I went to see, which is a Derwent building, you know, really um, interesting the way these buildings are being conceived. They're not, they're all about flexible space, open space communication is vital in any business so um, yeah all change all upon us but you know that's something to be embraced by the industry something we shouldn't be scared about at all and uh, it's a great opportunity yeah I think it is it's hugely exciting I think I've heard people talk prop tech is the new fintech and that's been coming for a while I just wonder whether 2018 will be the year that really start to see lots more prop tech um, issues come to the forefront I think um, I've heard 90% of our respondents in our survey thought that the Occupy demand would come from the technology sector. So if you're looking at sort of 90% of, of the new demand for space is going to come from the prop tech industry, we, we, we looks like we're really expecting a boom there. Yeah, it's interesting also, you'll have seen in the news, uh, this has been trialled for a couple of months now, that we work are looking to not only take space in buildings and but actually buy buildings and invest in them and uh, you know they're definitely a company to watch but you know they aren't the only participant in the market there's others as well um, but it's going to be a fascinating period I think you know if we are doing this podcast again in five years time uh, and we were looking back at what's happened over the last five years um, I, I, I suspect it's going to be pretty immense. Oh, definitely put a diary reminder in there for five <laughs> years' time. But I think you probably could do this in two years' time and it would all change. Um, I'm going to ask you finally, um, if I could give you a magic wand and you could change anything in the property world, what would you use that magic wand for, for to make 2018 even better than 2017? Well, I think... Um We've talked um, about logistics, we've talked about retail, we've talked about offices, which in some ways were the traditional sectors, logistics, previously industrials, but obviously it's moved on a lot with technology. But there are new sectors emerging and um, in some ways we've talked about, people talk about the bed sector, whether it's student accommodation, uh, residential, buy to rent, PRS, nursing homes, healthcare, etc. In a sense, student accommodation, I think, is much more mature now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's been around for a little while, and people have got their arms and their heads around that. I think there's still a bit of a challenge for uh, the industry as a whole in terms of residential, and they're getting to grips with that. It's coming, but it's probably taking longer. And we've got obviously the housing uh, crisis, stock yeah. issue, all of that, and so that's a big issue for I think all of us in the industry. But I, I could see healthcare um, becoming increasingly important. You know, we have an aging population and of course healthcare these days and drugs and everything, pharmaceuticals and life sciences. Uh, people are living longer, mm-hmm. there's better uh, means of eradicating diseases uh, and therefore there's going to be a need, for, there's going to be a demand for those types of um, operations. and. What I could imagine some investors will increasingly look at is more operating platform type arrangements. Historically, it's all been about dry income, you know, buy a building, collect the rent. Um, but you could see a world where that type of 
um, asset class is going to involve uh, a, a level of operation and a platform alongside it. And I think you know that that's something to look out for in 2018 and actually onwards. Great. Some great insights, Kieran. Thanks so much for your time today and sharing your thoughts um, for 2018 ahead. And to all of our listeners, um, do subscribe to the Real Deal podcast uh, via your usual podcast store and it will keep you updated with the latest episode. Thank you. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you, Danny.